Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. Okay, we're going to talk today about a subject that affects everyone, all of our listeners, the high price of prescription drugs. Back in January, drug makers started out the new year with a whole lot of new price hikes for more than one thousand medications. Some of the most well-known drugs that were getting more expensive are OxyContin with a 9.5% jump and the blood thinner Pradaxa, which was up 8%. Americans spent $535 billion on prescription drugs last year, according to one estimate by the Pew Charitable Trust. Our guest, John Conradi, says the higher prices are part of a longer-term trend over the last five years, in which the cost of brand-name pharmaceuticals has increased at 10 times the rate of inflation. This increase emphasizes the immense financial challenges that face consumers and health plans. So, what can we do about it? And what's happening in Washington, D.C. around legislation and regulation of the pharmaceutical industry? That's where we want to begin the conversation with the high price of drugs getting all the time higher. And of course, we really want to hear from you this hour. Do you have a story to share about paying more than you can afford for a medication you need? What sacrifices are you making in order to get your prescriptions each month? And has the cost of one of your medications skyrocketed recently? What are you doing to get by? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now is John Conradi. He is a national spokesperson for the Campaign for Sustainable RX Pricing. Mr. Conradi, welcome to Detroit Thanks Today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So let's start with uh, the, the idea of drugs just going up in price for seemingly no reason. Can you help our listeners understand what's going on and why it's happening? Absolutely. It's because brand name manufacturers, the largest prescription drug companies, are able to maintain essentially monopolistic control uh, over uh, many drugs and many popular drugs for a very long time. And, per- and they're able to use existing loopholes uh, in, the, in the patent system and our current regulatory landscape in order to stamp out competition and prevent generics and biosimilars from coming into the market sooner and competing and ultimately lowering prices. And, and so over the last five years, the prices of these brand-name pharmaceuticals have increased, as I said, 10 times the rate of inflation. Um, uh, why is this even legal? And, and how are consumers and healthcare providers even handling it? Well, you know, it, I think you've seen over the last couple of years really a shift, almost a political sea change, Uh, in how policymakers in Washington are looking at the issue of prescription drug pricing. Pharma is one of the most powerful, influential special interests in the town. But you've seen the issue begin to affect so many Americans, as many as one in four Americans now actually struggle to afford uh, their prescription drugs. And many have turned, made the really terrible choice uh, in a country like ours of being forced to turn to rationing um, their prescription drugs. So you've begun to see, particularly this Congress and this year, Policymakers in Washington, lawmakers, and the administration, uh, both uh, giving a lot, uh, making a lot of 
vocal commitments to taking action on the issue of prescription drug prices, but actually also beginning to take concrete action. Uh, and in a deeply divided Washington, this may be the one area where there's a real chance at advancing uh, actual bipartisan concrete solutions all the way uh, into law and into regulatory changes that can begin providing relief for American patients. So I, I also want to go back to about 10 years ago now when we started to debate uh, the Affordable Care Act. And a lot of the, the discussion around that was about not putting price controls in for for medical services mostly is what people were talking about then. You know, I, I wonder what effect you think the ACA has had on prescription drugs and the prices and, and whether we're approaching a time when uh, we might have a, a more robust national debate about changing fundamentally the way that this works in this country, much the way we change the way health insurance works with the ACA? Well, with our coalition, what we uh, really focus on is advocating for market-based solutions, solutions that can garner bipartisan support to tackle really what is a crisis of rising prescription drug costs. Um, it's really our thinking that there are uh, some, some of the proposals that are out there that involve heavy government intervention or that would be deeply uh, partisan are not really necessary. There are things that we can do that all Americans should be able to get behind right away, things like the CREATES Act that has actually now passed the House after uh, being stymied by big farmers lobbyists over the last several Congresses uh, and has a good chance of advancing in the Senate. Things that crack down on these anti-competitive practices that we see from the drug-making industry that can get, that can clear the way for more generics and biosimilars to get into the market and to compete to drive prices down. Mm -hmm. uh, earlier this month, uh, the Trump administration said it's going to require pharmaceutical companies to include the price of prescription drugs in TV advertisements if the cost exceeds $35 a month. Talk about how the industry is responding to that and when the public could start to see that change and, and whether that's a help in this matter. You know, we're going to see the public is going to begin seeing list prices disclosed in, in direct-to-consumer advertising uh, this summer. Uh, and 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 pharma has uh, has been has been pretty opposed to the change. Um, and you know, of course, transparency alone is not going to uh, tackle this crisis and lower prescription drug prices. But it is an important component uh, because there is very little transparency around how a drug maker sets list price, and it's really that manufacturer that has total unilateral power over what the list price uh, is set at. And, and it's from that point that all negotiations through the entire drug supply uh, system start. So if a drug starts, if its price starts high, it inevitably ends high. And this will be an important way for consumers to have more information and ultimately, hopefully, more choice uh, with more generics uh, entering the market uh, to control their own health care. My guest is John Conradi. He is the national spokesperson for the Campaign for Sustainable Rx Pricing. We're talking about the skyrocketing price of prescription drugs, uh, the way in which uh, makers of these drugs seemingly arbitrarily sometimes just uh, raise the prices uh, exponentially sometimes over what they were uh, just the day before or the month before. Uh, we're talking about what Washington, D.C. can do 
to better regulate this industry and make sure that things are affordable. And we want to hear from you about what your experiences are here. Uh, do you have a story to share about paying more than you can afford for a medication that you need? What sacrifices have you had to make in order to make sure that you get your prescriptions every month? And has the cost of one of your medications, something that you take regularly, skyrocketed lately? What are you doing to try to figure out how to get by? Again, always the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with Mark in Northville. Mark, welcome to Detroit Good Today. Hey. Very long-time listener. Love the show. Um, Thank you. I've got a bit, bit of a horror story, and I'll try and sum it up as fast as I can, but um, making a long, sad story. Last year, I got laid off, so under my insurance, we had to meet my deductible, which is like close to 6000 bucks. and after I got laid off, we had to meet my wife's deductible again for another, whatever, $5,000, but my kid went in, he was probably nine at the time, to get eardrops for an ear infection, so I went to the regular pediatrician got billed there. They sent me to a specialist. The specialist prescribed one drop per ear, or one drop in one ear twice a day, and the prescription was a mere 300 bucks for five days. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work. On our follow-up visit, they had to give him a, a little bit higher dosage for another 300 bucks, got billed twice by that doctor. And then on our third visit, he got an oral, and that was a lot less than 300 bucks. I don't remember what it cost. But uh, what, what did I do to, to, to get around that and be able to afford that was my doctor gave me a prescription, and it was close to 700 bucks. It was like 680 something dollars for three months' supply. Oh, my goodness. I asked my doctor if I was going to drop dead if I didn't take it. He said no. I said, well, then I guess I'll afford my kid's hearing. Wow. So, so, so you're making a choice uh, that, that favors your child's health over, over your own. I guess I'm on this phone call, so I'm not dead over my $700 deal. But it's not—it's absurd to have to meet. And I, it was both—it was Blue Cross of Minnesota for mm. me, and then when we went to my wife's insurance, we had a change to Blue Cross of Michigan, and they're completely different entities. Right. They couldn't say, "Well, you met your deductible here. You know, let's give you a 30% uh, you know rate uh, cut on your meeting the deductible a second time." Wow. I mean, I was out of a job and paying out. I'm talking you know, big dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mark, I'm really glad you called and, and shared that story. And you're right. It, that is a horrific story. Uh, John Conradi, uh, how common is this kind of uh, issue where you're caught between insurance coverage and your prescription uh, coverage then um, doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, the, the deductibles that you're paying um, don't get reflected in the in those switches. Well, what we're seeing, and unfortunately, stories like this are far too common. In fact, uh, at some of the hearings that have been happening in Washington, particularly on the issue of insulin, you've heard really heartbreaking stories of people forced to choose between affording groceries for the week for their family and affording their children's insulin. Um, but really. It is illustrative of how the rising price of prescription drugs is burdening the entire healthcare system. It's it's raising costs across the board through the entire system. Uh, it's burdening uh, families when they have to make decisions about their care, uh, and it's also driving costs for taxpayers. It's been identified as the number one cause 
of rising costs, uh, 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 of rising federal spending on the Medicare and Medicaid programs. So it's really a driver that's impacting really all assets of our healthcare system, uh, far beyond just medications themselves. Mm. Uh, Mark, again, uh, I'm really sorry about the, the predicament you find yourself in, but I'm very glad that you called and shared that with us here on the show. L- let's go next to Katie in Oxford. Katie, what's on your mind? Hi, Stephen. Um, my son has cystic fibrosis, which is a progressive genetic um, disease of the lungs and digestive system primarily. Mm-hmm. And I actually I have employer um, provided insurance. And I actually have to purchase a secondary insurance policy to cover his high co-pays and his high medical costs. He's actually on a precision medication that fixes the genetic defect in his cells that costs over $300,000 a year. Oh, my goodness. That being said, um, there's two huge hurdles that we face in healthcare, And one, my primary insurance says that Anything that the secondary insurance pays or any copay assistance programs do not count towards our deductible or hmm. out-of-pocket costs. Hmm. So thankfully, my son is covered, but I suffer with having to meet $6,000 out-of-pocket to do anything to take care of my own health. Wow. Wow. The hey, next problem yeah, is um, the role that pharmacy benefit managers play, and that, quite frankly, needs to be eliminated completely, in my opinion. I was on the tier. I was in tears on the phone with my pharmacy benefit manager this past weekend, simply trying to get access to basically sterile salt water and baking soda for my son to nebulize. Wow, wow! And Katie. that's an inexpensive medication, but just the hurdles that they throw in front of you to sure. get these prescriptions filled, and they choose where you can fill them and how you can receive them. Yeah, Katie, I'm 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 really glad you called and shared uh, shared your story with us, uh, John Conradi. Uh, both of the callers so far, I think, really point to the the kinds of loopholes in coverage that, again, I think goes back to my one of my earlier questions, which is uh, about a, a big a bigger reform that similar to the Affordable Care Act. That would maybe shore up some of these 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 gaps. Uh, that was one of the things that we at least tried to fix with uh, the ACA. Why doesn't that make sense in the pharmaceutical realm? I think it is really two reasons. One is um, and the other um, is practical. Um, from a political standpoint, there really has been no reform of almost any kind um, to the prescription drug industry. Uh, in modern history, advanced or regulations push through uh, that really target anti-competitive practices that pharmaceutical manufacturers use to travel prices, which then, as we know, okay, John, we're actually having a hard time hearing you. Uh, I think you're maybe in a place where you don't have great reception, so we're going to try to reboot that line uh, and and get back to you. Uh, but meanwhile, let's uh, let's go back to the phones here. We have a lot of folks, of course, who want to talk about this issue. Um, let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit today. You know, Steve, I am so glad, blessed that I, you know, worked long enough that I'm getting a, 
a pension and my medic, my health insurance is taken care of. But personally, me, as far as I'm concerned, you know, those pharmaceutical companies, with the way they jack those prices up, they, that's, that, that's criminal. And they should, you know, suffer some repercussions because of that. Because, I mean, what was it, the EpiPen and whatever else they hear lately that's just been gone up, uh, you know, phenomenally. I mean, it is just too much. And, I mean, even though I've got, you know, I'm not on any medication on a regular basis, but some of the stuff that I've had to, you know, uh, have filled, I mean, it wasn't an exorbitant amount of money. But, I mean, you know, I'm kind of going like, are you kidding me? This is with insurance, and but um, it's just so, I mean, it's just outrageous. And so, Tom, uh, talk about in in retirement and mm-hmm. and uh, switching your health care. I would assume from your employer uh, to to Medicare. Are you seeing better coverage uh, for prescription drugs there, or did it get worse? got the Medicare, okay, because of the Social Security. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I've got Blue Care Network Advantage uh, from, you know, through, through the public schools. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it really hasn't, you know, affected me one way or the other. But, you know, it's just like sometimes, you know, when you call and they say, well, is it ready? Yeah, how much is it going to cost? And you kind of go like, wow, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, but, but otherwise, I mean, I'm, I'm good. And I'm, you know, and I'm so, I'm, I'm not good. I'm blessed, okay, <laughs> to use that word. But, um, you know, like I said, with the way these pharmaceuticals raise these prices, I mean, that verges on the, that's on the, on the edge of criminality, mm. as far as I'm personally concerned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom, I really appreciate, uh, as always, the call. Uh, and the uh, and the comments. Uh, okay, we're still having a hard time getting uh, John Conradi back on the phone. So what we're going to do is we take a break and get to our next segment where we're going to talk with a Detroit doctor who's at the forefront of a new model of healthcare, and he's helping to get patients prescription drugs at cost. You are not going to want to miss what Dr. Paul Thomas has to say about this issue. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Lori and Troy, Mark in Ann Arbor, and Jackie in Hazel Park will get to you as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. We all know the usual routine when it comes to going to see your doctor. You make an appointment, you see your physician, maybe you get a prescription for medication, and then the folks at the front desk bill your insurance. You might have a copay to pony up at the end of the visit. Well, there's a new doctor in town, and he's turning that tradition on its head with his direct primary care model. Since 2016, Dr. Paul Thomas of Plum Health in Southwest Detroit has had his patients pay an affordable monthly membership fee for health care, and then he gets them their necessary medication at cost. So a common blood pressure medication, for instance, that would normally cost between $5 and $10 when billed through insurance and filled at a pharmacy is instead costing patients just 27 cents for a month's supply. 
I'm joined now by Dr. Paul Thomas, primary care physician at Plum Health in Southwest Detroit, to talk about how this works. Dr. Thomas, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me on, Stephen. Yeah, it's this great to awesome. have you here. So uh, first, let's have you explain how you're able to make this work. Uh, we heard from listeners in the first segment about how difficult it is for them to, to negotiate uh, these uh, very high costs of prescription drugs. Uh, we were talking with an advocate about uh, regulation in Washington and things like that. Why have you been able to come up with a solution all on your own? Well, the real easy answer is that I go directly to the medication wholesalers, the same wholesalers who sell to the big box pharmacies, where you buy a medication at a retail pharmacy where there's a retail markup. And because I'm looking out for the best interests of my members, I don't mark up the price of the medication. I give them to my patients at cost. Because when, when you're a member of my practice, when you're a member of Plum Health, you pay that affordable monthly membership. It starts at $10 a month for kids, and it starts at $49 a month for adults. And with that, I give you these at-cost medications because I believe that healthcare should be affordable and accessible for everyone, and having at-cost medications or inexpensive medications is a big part of that. Yeah. So, so the obvious question is, then, why is this affordable to you? Why, uh, why can you be able to not make the money that other pharmacies uh, say they have to make in order to stay in business? Right. They have that retail markup because they're a retail pharmacy, and that's their bottom line. They need to make the money on the medications because they're a volume business, and they, they're churning through a lot of meds and marking them all up so they make a healthy profit margin. Um, at our practice, I, I just developed a license through the state of Michigan, LARA, um, Licensing and Regulatory Affairs, and it's called a Physician's Dispensing License. So in addition to my prescribing rights and my physician's license, I have this additional license that allows me to dispense medications from my clinic. And any physician can do this. Any doctor can do this. But I take the time to do this because I care about my patients and their access to affordable medications. Yeah. And we should tell the listeners that uh, you came prepared for this interview. You brought lots of examples of the kinds of medications that I would assume you could get uh, if, I, if you were a patient at, uh, at your practice. Yeah, definitely. I just It makes it more real because you know I'm buying 1,000 a, a tablets of metformin for $14. That makes that metformin 1.4 cents a pill. So if you need, uh, if you're taking metformin 500 milligrams. And what's that medication for? That's for type 2 diabetes. So if you have type 2 diabetes, it's one of the most commonly prescribed medications. And then, you know, we have other ones here like amlodipine, 5 milligrams. I buy 1,000 tabs of that for about $11. So it's 1.1 cents a pill. So if you take that for your high blood pressure, you're now paying 33 cents a month to manage high blood pressure. Mm. Uh, um how common is this direct primary care model that you're talking about? Is this something that you've invented, or are there other people doing the same thing? Um, so I heard about this in medical school, and it was really nascent. It was a new thing back in 2012. And at that time, there were maybe 100 doctors doing it across the country. So I visited two of those doctors, and I took their best ideas to my practice here in Detroit. And when I launched, there were about 400 doctors doing this. And now today, there's over 1,000 doctors doing this across the country. We were the second one in Michigan, and now there's about 10 or 12 in the state of Michigan who are really trying to serve their patients uh, to the best of their abilities 
by lowering the cost of medications, labs, imaging services, and giving that direct uh, primary care service to their patients. Yeah. So what's the response been like to this? I mean, are people enthusiastic about uh, becoming members of this of this practice? Well, when you tell somebody that a, a medical problem like diabetes and hypertension and high cholesterol that they were putting off managing because they didn't know how much it was cost. They were afraid to go to the doctor because they didn't want that $100, $150 visit fee and then the $50 plus the pharmacy every month. When I tell them that I can now manage all three of those conditions for under $5 a month with these medications, it can be life-changing. It can be empowering. And people are starting to take um, their health into their own hands and being more proactive and taking care of themselves because things are now affordable. Yeah. Uh, My guest is Dr. Paul Thomas. He's a primary care physician at Plum Health Direct Primary Care in Southwest Detroit. We're talking about the way his practice deals with prescription drugs. You become a member of his practice paying uh, a monthly fee, and then you're able to purchase prescription drugs at cost, which makes a huge, huge difference uh, in your pocketbook and probably uh, prevents some of the, the trade-offs that we are hearing about from people about choosing one medication over another, choosing medication for one family member and going without for somebody else because of the cost. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call and tell us what kinds of struggles you have with uh, paying for uh, medication that you need? What sacrifices have you had to make in order to get your prescriptions every month? And has the cost of one of your medications skyrocketed recently? I talked earlier about big price increases that came with the new year. What are you doing to make sure that you can get the medicine that you need and not go broke at the same time? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Let's go to Jackie in Hazel Park. Jackie. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. I had adult acne on my face, and it was impacting my job because it would come out like a scab. So I went to the doctor, and they gave me this medication in a tube in a cream. So at first, the copay was $25 a month, and then it just jumped to $60 a month. For the same medication. I asked the doctor why this change and they said that the pharmacy company there was some kind of monopoly on the cream that the medicine was suspended in. So this is not even the medicine. I was paying all that extra money, $35 extra for the the cream the medication is suspended in. That has since gone away but it happened was like that for, um, I think, two years I was paying that extra money. Wow. Wow. Uh, Jackie, I'm, uh, I'm sorry about that experience, and I'm glad, though, that you've shared that with us. Uh, uh, Dr. Paul, um, that, that raises an interesting question about, uh, again, these, these swings in price. What mm. is that about, and how do you avoid uh, having to pass that along to, to your patients? 
Right. So there's a couple of different issues at play. So sometimes a medication that's come off brand will be bought by one generic manufacturer and there's not enough competition in the marketplace for multiple manufacturers to come in and make that drug and keep that uh, price down. And then even like on a sinister level, some of these practices of these pharmaceutical companies, they can be in collusion with each other and all decide to increase the price at the same time. So some of those things are beyond my personal control and I'm at the mercy of those just as my patients are. Yeah. But there are other solutions. There are, are other ways. You can try alternative formulations. So maybe if the cream has gone up in price, perhaps the lotion is a lower price. Or, you know, alternatively, if you're taking a cream, um, you know, uh, there's ointments. There's also pills. Um, there are, you know, a few different ways to get at acne. There are several different treatments. And we could try to work through all those different options and see which one comes out with the best price and the best effect. Yeah. When we see these price swings, um, you know, the, the, the word that comes to mind, I think, for a lot of people is price gouging or profiteering, right. that somehow somebody has just determined there's a lot of people who need this and they can't get it somewhere else, so I'm going to raise the, the price to whatever I decide it mm-hmm. should be, and people have no choice. Is that a common truth uh, in this in this space that 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 people behave that way or are there other explanations often for prices going up yeah there are some instances and those become high profile those cases are in the media etc but by and large the bread and butter medications that you need to manage uh, the typical conditions that people have high blood pressure diabetes acne um, birth control pills uh, etc all of these medications are relatively inexpensive and there are a ton of options with a ton of manufacturers. So I'd say like 90% of the medications we can get at a very reasonable price and um, oftentimes less than a copay that a person might pay. Um, it's just unfortunate that there are some bad actors in the marketplace who do jack up the prices and make it unaffordable for consumers. And then it leaves you know a physician like myself with almost no options. Hmm. Uh, again, Jackie, uh, I'm very sorry about that uh, circumstance, but I'm glad you shared uh, your story here on Detroit Today. Let's go to Stephanie in Detroit. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I sure can. Okay, wonderful. I'm 70 years old. I have Medicare and I have HAP Senior Plus. Mm-hmm. And I'm a diabetic. I'm under the Henry Ford Health Plan. And so there's a new medication out, and it's a shot that you give yourself. So my doctor said, I'm going to try you on this. Let's see if your insurance will pay for it. So they paid for it for the first month. The second mm-hmm. month, they said no, and they wanted me to pay $980. Wow. For one month. Oh, my for goodness. For a shot that I give myself once a week. It's not insulin, but it's a shot that I give myself once a week. Mm-hmm. So I said, I can't afford that. So my doctor said, let's see what we can do. I said, let's fight it. So we wrote letters to the insurance company, and now I pay $8. And and the the reason for that, uh, Stephanie, was what? It, you just persuaded the, the pharmacy or the maker we to persuaded, not? We persuaded HAP. We said she needs it. 
This will keep her off of insulin. This will help her with her A1C count. And, I mean, that's terrible. They wanted me to pay the $900 while we were in litigation. And they said, if it, you know, if we decide to pay for it, we'll pay you back. I wasn't going to take that chance. Sure, sure. No, Stephanie, I... From nine, they said because it was new mm-hmm. and it was on TV and it hadn't been. I guess uh, somebody hadn't approved it yet. Hmm. Uh, Stephanie, how I, did you go from nine hundred dollars to eight dollars? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, Stephanie. Um, I don't understand that either, uh, Doctor Paul. Can you can you help explain why they were just sort of arbitrarily, it seems, in Stephanie's case, able to say, well, we'll we'll charge less. Yeah, you know, I don't know the inner workings of the HAP um, health insurance system, but um, what I can say is oftentimes when these medications come off of or are brand new and are not yet generic or branded, um, they're very expensive. Sometimes $1,000 a month, sometimes $10,000 a month. Um, and because you're, you're paying for the uh, drug manufacturer's R&D and all of their misses, let's say, Let's say they develop 100 drugs and only three are hits. So they have to cover all those research and development costs. And then it comes to your hospital system or your health insurance, and they decide, okay, we're going to add this to our formulary, meaning we're going to cover these medications up to a point, and these other medications are not on our formulary, and we can't cover them. So what I'm guessing is perhaps that diabetes drug was a new kind of like a designer drug coming off of um, a pharmaceutical shelves for the first time, and your hospital had not seen it before, so um, they didn't understand it, didn't cover it at first. But really good on you for advocating for yourself and partnering with your physician to advocate for better pricing on that medication. And I'm guessing it had a lot to do with you trying to persuade them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Stephanie, thanks very much for the call. Uh, and the comments. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation uh, about high costs of prescription drugs and this new model that Dr. Paul Thomas is uh, involved with at, uh, at Plum Health in, uh, in Southwest Detroit. Uh, stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. My guest is Dr. Paul Thomas. He's a primary care physician at Plum Health in southwest Detroit. He's a a direct primary care uh, practice there. And uh, we're talking about the ways in which he's able to get patients prescription drugs at cost, uh, which of course is much, much less than people pay through their insurance uh, at the local pharmacy. Uh, The skyrocketing price of prescription drugs is something that lots and lots of people deal with. Lots and lots of people have to make really difficult choices to deal with those prices. Uh, Are they 
Are you making sacrifices of other things in order to make sure that you get the medication you need? Are you sacrificing the medicine for one member of your family in order to take care of someone else? We want to hear all of those stories. And of course, the number on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. We'd also love to hear if you're somebody who has... Uh, become involved in another kind of solution to this problem? Have you found another way to make sure that drugs are affordable for you? Um, uh, Dr. Thomas, before we get back uh, to the to the phones, um, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, how likely you think it is that we move more broadly to a model like this. In other words, that this becomes the standard way that people get uh, prescription drugs from their physician instead of through pharmacies? I think it's a good possibility because what people are facing is these uh, murky pricing. You don't know what it's going to cost when you have a new prescription. And the doctor, frankly, doesn't know because they're not invested in knowing the prices of each medication. So when the doctor writes a prescription, you leave the office, you leave that encounter, and then you go to the pharmacy, and then you find out it's instead of $30, it's $60, right? Now you can't go back to the doctor because your appointment's over. And so you can't really make an argument, oh, let's try something different because $60 is out of my price range. You know, I think people really want to have clarity around what it's going to cost, how long they need to take it. And frankly, from a physician's perspective, if I hand you the medications as you leave my office and I give you the price, you pay for it at the time of service, I know that you're more likely to take it because you've already agreed to it and you're taking it with you. And we can really work on this thing I call, you know, physician-patient decision-making. So we decide as a team on what works best for you as a patient. And if you agree to it, you're more likely to take that medication. So I think it's very likely that people are going to see more and more direct primary care services, more and more price transparency, and want that sort of service and price transparency for themselves. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Mark in Gross Point. Mark, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, uh, thanks so much. Sure. Um, question I have for the doctor, and first of all, it's a great topic, is um, in-office dispensing um, in uh, the, the highly specialized areas like oncology has been around for like 10 years. And mm. some of the challenges in that model is that the doctors that got involved with in-office dispensing um, did it as a means of actually trying to retain some of the revenue streams as, um, you know, reimbursement compression has continued with the payers. Mm. So the challenges, and I want to get your doctor, the doctor's opinion on this, the challenges of doing in-office dispensing as it becomes scalable is properly uh, consulting the patient on, um, you know, at, at the point of dispensing. Is there software in place? For drug-drug interactions, um, are there, you know, if if there is a reimbursement with with insurance itself, do they adjudicate the claim um, and then give the, the patient the option of saying you pay pay you, uh, my my discounted cash price, or the basically the the the, the insurance case? So it's sort of like how do you get the best of both worlds without short circuiting as well as as you become larger and larger in volume that um, the time period with the, the proper time in front of that patient at dispensing is sort of curtailed because of, um, you know, the, the, the 
the doctors need to see more patients with with um, the payers paying less and less to our healthcare professionals. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. So I'll answer that right away. Um, I don't bill or use insurance at all because it increases the cost of medications, it increases the cost of doctor visits, and it puts a barrier between me and my patients. And so I limit the number of patients in my practice from 2,500 is what a typical family doctor will have in their panel. And in our panel, I only have 500 patients or members, as I call them. And that gives me about an hour for new appointments and 30 minutes to an hour for follow-up appointments where I can really go through all the medications that they're taking and make sure there are no interactions and make sure that they're taking them properly, adhering to them, having no side effects, et cetera. And that's where I'm able to do that. Additionally, I don't do medication to make money. I do it because it adds value to my service and it adds value to my patients because they want to have their labs done in-house. They want to get their meds from me. They want to be seen uh, by me with enough time to talk about everything. So um, I really I mark up my medications uh, uh, 10% just to cover the cost of shipping and labels and the medication bottles that I put them in. Mm. So, you know, that is 10% on a, you know, 30 cents with the medications. That's an additional three cents, you know, so that's where I'm coming from in, in that regard. So the scale question there, uh, you're seeing 500 patients. You say that, that in, in insurance systems, you have physicians seeing as many as 2,500 exactly. uh, patients. If we were to move more toward a system like the one that you are uh, engaged in, we would need more doctors, it seems, right? Uh, we would need greater efficiency. Yeah. So okay. we currently have enough physicians for our population. However, doctors are spending over half of their time documenting encounters in the electronic medical record, right? So your doctor is spending less than 10 minutes with you, maybe 8 to 10 minutes, and then 10 to 12 minutes writing about the encounter in the electronic medical record so that they can get reimbursed from the insurance company. So I don't think we have a doctor shortage problem. We have a doctor efficiency problem. Hmm. And so in our model, because we don't have to justify our claims to an insurance company, I can focus on you for 25, 26 minutes, and I can write about it in my electronic medical record for about four minutes and have the same level of documentation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, Mark, really great uh, question, and I'm glad you called and asked it. Uh, let's go to Marianne in Macomb. Marianne, welcome Good to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hi. Um, I'm a nurse, and I work in a specialty practice, and I deal with insurance companies and prior authorizations all day long. And um, one of the things that we run into is insurance companies have this set protocol called STEP therapy, where you have to try this drug and fail it before you get approved for the next drug that the doctor prescribes. And a lot of times, like I work in GI and like the doctor will prescribe a medication B and you have to fail medication A to get to B. And the doctor will say, but medication A doesn't work on the part of the intestines that the patient has a problem with. So even if I put them on medication A, it won't work for them. And I know that. And I'm not going to put the patient's through that trial and failure just to get to be. And so we end up having to have peer-to-peer reviews where the doctor has to, you know, call the insurance company and explain to them, I'm a specialist, there's where the problem is, A doesn't work there, just skip to B. 
And, of course, the insurance company, once they speak to the doctor, always approves it. But it's the time and the effort and the, you know, grabbing the doctor when they're in the office but they don't have patients to try to get this covered. And the amount of um, payroll that we spend trying to get a medication approved for a patient is just insane. Mm. And every time we fill out these forms, we write that it's written by a specialist. And we send them the documentation where the patient's problem is and that this won't work there. And they still don't approve it. And it's, it's kind of like a vicious cycle yeah. for the patient. Yeah. And it's... Marianne, I, I, I really appreciate you calling and giving us that example. Uh, Dr. Paul, what's your, what's your reaction? I mean, that's the perfect example of how health insurance inflates the cost of care. Rather than just going to the medication that's appropriate for the patient, they insist that you take medication A in your example rather than B. And then you're taking the doctor's time away from actually taking care of patients and forcing him to speak to um, an insurance representative to justify their clinical decision-making. And that's really how you're increasing the cost of healthcare because now that doctor is going to bill more per patient or want to bill more per patient because he's or she is thinking, man, I've got to spend an additional 30 minutes to an hour on the phone with the insurance company just to get one drug covered for one of my patients. Uh, So uh, you've said this a couple times, uh, this idea that uh, insurance is one of the things that drives up the cost Mm -hmm. of medical care. I, I see how that works in the primary care uh, context, uh, and that makes total sense. I wonder if you if you believe that's also true in the sort of more catastrophic medical care context. Uh, one of the arguments I think we have for the idea of insurance is that if I get really sick or if I get into a terrible accident, um, uh, the, the the cost of the care is so high that you wouldn't be able to manage it without some sort of risk pool, uh, which is which is uh, you know the way insurance companies uh, kind of operate those things. Do you, do you think that um, your approach, which is to sort of eliminate the middleman, I guess, between doctor and patient, mm-hmm. would also help in that context? Yes. I well, first of all, I agree with you. We need insurance, just like we have, let's say, auto insurance. You don't use your auto insurance to put gas in your car or rotate your tires or change your wiper blades, but you do use insurance when you get into a large accident, right? That's called catastrophic coverage. Mm. And I believe that we could save a lot of money for individual citizens across this country if we used insurance as insurance, right? The catastrophic coverage for the heart attacks, the strokes, the hospitalizations, cancer care, et cetera, and use primary care services like ours, like direct primary care services for everyday things. Because when you get things at cost from an individual doctor, there's more market competition, the cost lowers and the quality improves. Hmm. And that's that's my big argument. Let's use insurance as insurance and let's use primary care outside of that system because it doesn't need to be the costs don't need to be inflated. It doesn't need to be this expensive. Yeah. Uh, again, Marianne, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Fred in Farmington Hills. Fred, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. Uh, um, yeah, the insurance companies are are really uh, at the heart of this problem. Uh, and and, and the, the Republicans 
seem to want to offer more choice as as the answer, uh, saying that competition is going to drive prices down. But if you've ever tried to shop insurance, uh, it's almost impossible to compare apples for apples. It's mm. just the, the information that you get from I'm on Medicare and the information you get from Medicare uh, and the information you get from the insurance companies doesn't always uh, compute. I was in a, I was in a situation where uh, the cost of the, that the insurance company was charging for a drug drove me into the uh, donut hole. And when I did a little research, I found out that they were uh, charging almost 10 times more than most every other insurance company for that for a particular medication. Hmm. And when I confronted them with this, they said, well, when we published the formulary, we were just approximating what, what the drug would cost. So right. I, when I talked to Medicare... Uh, they said, well, we can only get, go by the information that the, that the insurance companies provide to us. So they were they were both shrugging their shoulders and say, well, we can't do anything about yeah, it. Yeah. So the only alternative I had was to change insurance companies. I, I did find one that, that worked better. I'm talking about the... Uh, you know, the yeah. Medicare Advantage plan. Right. So, Fred, I, uh, I, yeah, the, the insurance companies are, are very much a big part of the problem as yeah. well as the drug manufacturers. Fred, so. I, I really appreciate uh, that example. And again, this is, this is sort of pointing out some of these gaps that also exist in insurance, right? If you right. have one kind of insurance, uh, sometimes you confront a medical issue that they just they don't cover or don't cover the same way as another, as another company. Yeah, and let's go back to that previous caller, Katie, who had said that her deductible was Mm $6,000, right? So you have to spend $6,000 to get anything covered in her insurance plan. And this gentleman, he has to spend uh, enough money to get his prescription drugs covered, right? So this is where our service can become really valuable because you're getting on-demand primary care services for a flat rate, and then we were able to get certain medications for you at cost. So that previous caller, Katie, had rec- um, said something about sodium chloride irrigation solution. So I checked that while I was in the green room, and that price for a liter of that is $3.18 hmm. at cost. Right. So if we were to buy that and mark that up, we'd add $0.30 cents to it. So it would right. be $3.48 wow. for to get it through our clinic. Right. These are the kind of simple solutions in primary care that can really make a difference for individuals. Okay. Dr. Paul Thomas, primary care physician at Plum Health, direct primary care in southwest Detroit. It was really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Okay, that's going to do it for me today. I'm going to be back tomorrow, and I hope you will too. We're going to spend the hour with Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy. Catch up on all of the things she's doing to make rape kits uh, more available and better and more effective uh, here in Wayne County and around the country. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. I'll talk again with you tomorrow. 